0: Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from First Orlando. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at firstorlando.com. And if you're in the Orlando area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now enjoy this podcast from First Orlando. I can't think of a person who is more outside of hope. Than the guy that I want to introduce you to today. It's the one you're going to study in your group. And so what I want you to do, if you've got a Bible, uh, wherever you're streaming this, if you can get to a Bible or if you have a copy, uh, I mean, if you have your phone where you can look it up on the phone or in the room, find a Bible, get it on your phone and go to Mark chapter five. Okay. This is The guy we call Legion. That's not his name, but that's what the scripture uses because that's what the demons were called. Now, I've met a lot of difficult people in my life. I've never met a dude like this. I I mean, this guy had 6,000 demons messing with him. And I I don't, I mean, there's nobody that is as outside of hope as this guy. But what you're going to see is there's always hope because there's always Jesus. Can you say that with me? There's always hope because there's always Jesus. Okay, let's try it again. I know you're hungry and maybe sleepy. There's always hope because there's always Jesus. There you go. If you got that, you got it. Okay, that's what changes this guy's life. Now, I kind of define hope as the belief things can change. The belief things can be better, okay? I'm going to show you in a minute a definition of hopelessness is when you don't think it can change. When you, we don't think anything is going to be better for you. You're kind of in that hopeless place. Well, let me introduce this guy to you. Because he was there. Mark chapter 5. I'm going to read along and I want you to follow. 20 verses. Hang with me. Let's, let's read it together. It'll be on the, on the screen and TV for you. They came to the other side of the sea to the, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus stepped out of the boat immediately, there met him out of the tombs. That's a gated community, by the way. Out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs. No one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. He often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart. He broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength of subduing. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountainsides, he was crying out. And he was cutting himself with stones, a picture of hopelessness, pain. Oh, my goodness, incredible pain. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran, fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. Now, that wasn't the man speaking. That was the demon speaking. Okay? For he was saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? He replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. And they begged him, saying, hey, send us in the pigs. We'll enter them. So he gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out, entered the pigs, the herd numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. And that evening deviled ham was served at every home. I'm just kidding. That's not really in here. I just threw that in there. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country. And people came to see what it was that happened. And they came to Jesus. They saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had been legion, who had a legion, sitting there clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and the pigs, and they began to beg Jesus. I do not understand this one. They began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. And as he was getting in the boat, the man who had been possessed with the demons begged him that he might be with him, and he didn't permit him to go with him. Instead, Jesus said, go home to your friends. Tell them how much the Lord has done for you. And how he's had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone, say it with me, marveled. What an incredible story of hope. I want you to remember three things. Very simple about this. Number one, no one is beyond hope. Can you say that with me? No one is beyond hope. I know you're thinking of somebody, oh, pastor, you don't know this guy. It doesn't matter. I don't have to know him. I can tell you he's not beyond hope. Because I'm going to say again what we said a minute ago. There's always hope because there's always Jesus. When Jesus got out of the boat, this dude came running. He lived in the tombs, okay? He cut himself. He screamed at night. The cutting was either he was calling on a pagan god, which was very common for people to do when they were worshiping a pagan god in that day, or he was just calling for help. I mean, this guy is absolutely in a place where he is overwhelmed with what's going on. And he was placed in chains by the community, and the chains couldn't hold him. They couldn't hold him. He tore him apart. And when he saw Jesus, he comes running. Now, this man had multiple issues. And by multiple, I mean a lot of demons. Let me just tell you, we may not be dealing with the same manifestation of demons that he he was. But we have an enemy who wants to stop you and tell you you're hopeless. So let me talk about demons for a minute. Who were demons? Demons were angels that once fell from heaven when Lucifer, the head of them, led a rebellion against God. Lucifer is Satan. Lucifer is also the devil. And so these angels have fallen. And what do they do now? As far as we know, from what the Bible teaches us, they're on the earth. And they are not everywhere. And they're not all powerful. And they're not all-knowing. But they are influencing, and they are trying to convince people that they are hopeless. So you got to understand this. There are demons around today. Now, in the Bible, they're very prominent. We know that in the Scripture, there's only one New Testament book that doesn't mention demons. And that's the book of Hebrews. Every other book talks about them. There's over 100 instances of demons in the New Testament. Jesus had eight encounters when he was... Uh, Walking on the earth. The book of Acts has 11 encounters. And so there's a lot of talk in the scripture about demons. This guy's name was what? Legion. And Legion was the name given by the demons. It wasn't his real name. We don't know who the guy is. I mean, honestly, we don't know who the guy is. But evidently the demons took the name Legion because we are many. Legion means 6,000 soldiers and then 120 horsemen so I don't know if this is supposed to mean that this guy had 6,000 demons that were influencing him but he was a wreck now follow me though the manifestations aren't going to be necessarily like this in your life the principle is the same There is an enemy who wants to destroy the work of God in you. And he not only wants to destroy God's work in you, he wants you to give up on Jesus. And wherever you're streaming this, wherever you're sitting right now, believe me, he's talking to you. And you know how easy it would be to just turn this stream off? Real easy. Click one button, I'm gone. But remember... The enemy wants you to give up. And in this room, do demons go to church? Yes, they do. Many of the occurrences of the demons in the New Testament was at a synagogue. And so they want you to give up on Jesus. And you know what else? They want to tell you you're hopeless. They want to tell you you'll never be good enough. You'll never make it. Satan is called the accuser of the brethren. He wants guilt in your life. He wants shame. And he wants to isolate you where you feel like nobody's for you and everybody is against you. That's what this man was dealing with. So hopelessness is when you don't think anything can change. Hopelessness is when you think you're never going to change. There's nothing good that's going to happen to you. In other words, you just basically give up and that's it. You know what happens in marriages when you don't think the marriage will ever change or be different or get better? you walk away. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've been talking to a a family and they basically said, uh, our marriage is never going to be different. You know how discouraging that is to think that life is never going to change? How many of y'all want to live an eternal 2020? Not me. Man, I'm trying and praying, God, get me through 2020. You have to have this sense that things can be better. They can be better in your marriage. They can be better in your personal life. They can be better in your relationships. They can be better in, in, at work. And the reason there's always hope is because there's always Jesus. And he can change anything. So here we are. No one is beyond hope. Number two, hope will meet you wherever you are. I've talked to so many people that thought that you have to do something. Can I just warn you about listening to the community around you? Can I warn you about listening and reading what's on social media and believing it? In fact, let me tell you something. I haven't shared this uh, another service, but I, I've just started doing something. I heard a friend mention this, and I've started doing it. I will not allow myself to watch any news or read any news or social media stuff. Before noon. If I do it at all, any of the day, it, it, I will not do it before noon. I listen only to Christian music and praise music up until noon. Because I want to start my day off with truth, not somebody's lies about somebody else or about me. And so, really, I've tried to honor that as best I can. It's amazing the difference it makes. Do you know what his community wanted to do with him? You think they gathered and had prayer meetings for his deliverance? No. You recognize this? A ball and chain. I got permission from a wife that she would take it off her husband's leg, and she did, and so <laughs> I did. Pastor Danny, I'll give it back to you after the um, <laughs> after the service today. Oh, there's Betsy. I didn't run. thank you, Betsy, for letting me use this. <laughs> they put chains on him. That's all they knew to do with him, put chains on him. Do you realize that we allow our, our, our culture to do that to us? I mean, we allow people in our life. And I'll tell you, one of the biggest chains is fear. As long as people can convince you to fear and lose confidence and lack assurance, you got a ball and chain around you. And that's all they knew to do with this guy is just keep putting chains on him. But watch what happens. Hope will meet you wherever you are. You don't have to get your life fixed first. You don't have to get something worked out. No, that's the whole point of hope. It comes to you. In fact, the way I say it, hope meets us where we are, but hope always finds us. We don't find it. You see, I hear people say, well, I found Jesus. No. You found Jesus that day, you think, but Jesus had found you a long time ago. And that's how it comes to us. So let me show you how he did it here. He found this guy. Okay, so I'm going to show you a map. And this map will help me explain a lot. Okay, you heard the word Decapolis in here. Let me show you what the Decapolis was. Decapolis was primarily this side of the Sea of Galilee. Okay, and there were 10 cities. The word Decapolis, it's just like a state. I mean, let's just say Georgia. Okay, it's just another state in Israel or another area. However, the capolis meaning 10 cities, Deca, 10, Polis, cities, they were all Greek. They were all Gentile. Josephus said the Jews hated Decapolis. They didn't want to go there. We only know of two times that Jesus went there. This is one of them. And so it's an area that was forbidden, let's say. But watch this. Jesus is up here, Mark chapter 4. He tells the disciples, get in the boat. We're going to go to the other side. What does it mean, the other side? Right over here. While they're in the boat, out at sea, what happens? A storm comes up. Remember the storm that came up, and they thought they were going to die? And Jesus gets up in the boat, and he tells the storm to shut up. I know we're not supposed to use that word, but Jesus did when he spoke to the demons. And he said, hush. And, and, and literally, that storm stopped and then they got to the other side where were they going right here when that man shows up as soon as the boat hits the shore he shows up that man is delivered his life has changed and then you know what they do they get back in the boat and they go back to the other side so you mean to tell me he got in a boat went all the way across the sea of galilee got in the middle of a really big storm and then turned around and went all the way back for one person. Yes. That's exactly what God did for you. Hope will meet you where you are. It finds you. You can't hide. That guy lives in the tombs but hope found him. Jesus found him. And you may be sitting somewhere streaming this thinking nobody knows where I am. I'm by myself. Nobody knows. I promise you there's one that knows. And he is there with you. In fact, I'll tell you one better than Jesus going across the sea for one guy. Jesus left heaven and came to this earth for me. And I believe that and for you. And so hope finds us. Hope will never lose you. And in fact, I will say it this way. Hope will come to us no matter where we are. It will find us no matter. And and why do I say that? Because this guy was in a mess with demons. I mean, there's stuff happening. So what happens is when Jesus gets out of the boat, the man runs up, all these demons start talking. We don't know of one thing, Legion or whoever this guy was. Let's call him Fred. All right? We don't know one thing he said. Not one thing. The demons start talking. And you know what the demons said? First thing they said is, we know who you are. Every encounter in the New Testament that Jesus had with demons, they proclaimed or declared who Jesus is. Isn't that cool? Every time Jesus encountered them, the first thing they said was, you are the Son of God. You are the Most High. Let me tell you, when the demons are confessing who he is, don't you think it's time we come along and say, Jesus, we believe you are the Christ. You are the Son of God. That's exactly what they said to him. They believe. Now, they're still in rebellion, but at least they know the enemy. All right, now watch this. They know Jesus is going to get rid of them. He's going to tell them to go to hell. That's exactly what he's going to do. And so they begged Jesus, no, please don't send us out of the country. And so they said, Jesus, there's some pigs. Would you send us in the pigs? And Jesus actually gave them permission and said, okay. And he sent them to the pigs. 2,000 pigs rushed down into the sea. Not a good day for the other white meat. I mean, it was a disaster. 2,000 pigs. And people get all upset over, oh, my goodness, Jesus destroyed 2,000 pigs. No, he didn't. The demons did. They're the one that had the idea to go to the pigs. And let me tell you why. You see, they did to the pigs what they wanted to do to that guy. They wanted to destroy him. But instead, they got sent to the pigs. So what did they do? They destroyed 2,000 pigs. I want you to know something. Jesus was asked to leave because the people didn't understand him. You would think a man's life being changed and a man who is now absolutely whole and complete, that's enough. No. They all worked up over 2,000 pigs that were lost. Here's a question. Is it possible, and this is one of those theories, there's some people who strongly believe it. Is it possible that the demons knew that if they could destroy the pigs, the business owners in the area would run Jesus off? Because when Jesus starts cutting in on the prophet, Jesus got to go. And so that's why they requested to go to the pigs. Just a thought. I got a question for you. When Jesus starts affecting your bottom line, does Jesus have to go? In other words, when you start backing up a little bit, you're not standing quite as strong because you're afraid it will affect business. And if people think you're one of those radical Jesus followers, you know, that might not be good for the company or might not be good for your job. So you back off. Can I just tell you, I think the days are here and they're coming even more. When we're going to have to make a decision Are we going to stand for Jesus, or has Jesus got to go when it starts costing us our jobs? And I pray, I pray that we will say, nope, we will never be ashamed of Jesus Christ. We're not telling Jesus, you got to go. There may be something else that has to go. So now he, he gets run out. And so right as he's getting in the boat, there's an amazing thing that happens. This man now has a purpose. So the last thing I want to tell you is hope gives you a reason to live. Hope gives you a reason to live. And you know what's happening? Here here this guy's sitting there. I want you to look at the way it says it. He actually changes us. Hope changes us. Jesus doesn't leave us the same. The guy is sitting there clothed and in his right mind. I left out the fact he didn't wear clothes. He didn't wear clothes. But after Jesus met him, he's sitting there clothed in his right mind. Can I just tell you that when you're in your right mind, you'll always be with Jesus. And when you're not in your right mind, you're going to be the other way. I think the smartest, sanest thing you can do is follow Jesus Christ. And the craziest thing you can do is turn your back on the one who created you and gave you life. So here this guy is sitting here. And, and he's talking to Jesus. And then Jesus goes to get in the boat. And the man says, I'm going with you. And Jesus goes, nope. Go home. Go home to your friends. Hope connects us. Hope always connects us with others. Hopelessness isolates us. But hope connects. Go home to your friends. You ever wondered who his friends were? I mean, they had to be crazy people too. I, I don't know. But Jesus said, go home to your friends and tell them. And hope defines our mission. You know what our mission is? Our mission is we're going to go tell them how much the Lord has done for us. And so here's a guy who goes back into the Decapolis, and all he does is, hey, got to tell you what Jesus did for me. Some of you think, well, it's not that simple. Really? Really? What we're doing, Stories of Hope, could be the life-changing moment for somebody that you never thought would change. While I'm so encouraged about this series called Stories of Hope and about the the life groups and small groups gathering, in fact, I want to encourage you in just a moment, uh, if you have interest and you think, I, I may get a few people together or I want to be a part of that, can I just tell you, you'll never know the difference you can make. Every life matter. Every story of hope matters. Let me show you. One demoniac, one guy, and we don't even know his name, told the story in the Decapolis, that area, that region. The second time Jesus visited, you know what the Scripture says about it? There were great crowds. In fact, there's a feeding of the 4,000. Remember, there was one feeding of the 5,000. Well, that was on the other side of the sea. The feeding of 4,000 happened in that area called the Decapolis. Where did those 4,000 come from? Where did all those great crowds come from? I personally believe, with all my heart, it came from one man, a demoniac, who said, Jesus changed my life. Here's my story of hope. I believe that can happen to you. I believe you can make a difference and you can change people's lives just by telling your story. So I'm going to close with this. I got a crazy idea. You can call me crazy. Go ahead. Maybe when they open me up, I'll put a little sense in why they're there. In 1965, the Watts riots took place in Los Angeles. 34 people were killed. In 1968, Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated. Same year, Robert Kennedy was assassinated. 1969, Woodstock free love, and nickel beer. It was going to save the world. It didn't. There were Vietnam protests everywhere, 1970, Ohio, uh, Kent State University, four college students shot by National Guard. Sounds like right now, doesn't it? There are people who are pointing out the parallels of what happened in the late 60s to what's happening now which I want, to, I want to throw this out for your thought. In 1966, Time magazine saw what was happening, and they published a magazine that had this cover. Is God dead? Because there's no way you Christians have made any difference. Look, at the world's on fire. But something was happening that a lot of people didn't know and didn't realize. There was a movement happening. And ironically, it started in California. It's called the Jesus Movement, the Jesus Revolution. And all of a sudden, it began to move across the country. And I'm telling you, there were drug addicts, prostitutes. Every kind of life was abandoning their old way of life and following Jesus. And it became a massive movement across the country. Calvary Chapel started out of a Chuck? Smith, and it spread. So did contemporary Christian music. Some of you remember a guy named Keith Green. He came out of the Jesus movement. There was somebody in Dallas, Texas at a stadium there during the Jesus movement that heard Christ change his life. He's been on this platform and blessed us more than once. His name is Robert Morse, pastor at Gateway. There were all kinds of things that have come out of that Jesus movement. Now, some of it was crazy, Theologically, some of it got a little wild. But at the core of it were a bunch of people who had stories to tell about Jesus and they weren't ashamed and they told the nation. So much so, in 1971, you want to see what Time Magazine did with the cover? They changed it to that. The Jesus Revolution. Now here's the good part. Could it be happening again today? While the world is on fire people are being killed innocently unjustly. things happening in this country that are just so divisive could it be that God is calling out his church and God is stirring and the one message that he has given us is tell them about hope tell them the stories of hope tell them about Jesus I believe it could happen If you ask me, is there hope for this country? Is there hope for this nation to to, to rebound or to come together or whatever? My answer is yes, because I will believe this as long as I live. There is always hope because there is always Jesus. This morning, are you looking for hope? Wherever you're streaming this, are you looking for hope? I want to ask you to just call on Jesus. Just tell him, Jesus, I believe you are the Christ. You're sitting in this room, and you're like, man, I feel like my life is never going to be different. It can be. When you trust Christ, when you give your life to Jesus, it can be different. And the Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Call on him. Just tell him, I, Jesus, I believe you came to change the world, and I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God. And I give you my life, and I want to follow you. For some of us in here, we've already made that commitment. So for us, are we willing to tell the story? Are we willing to tell somebody that Jesus changed us? Are we willing to share a story of hope? Whether or not you're a part of the groups or not, you have a story of hope. If you know Jesus, tell somebody. And watch what God does. If he could use the demoniac to change a whole region, I'm sure he can use people like us to change lives. Man, how cool would it be to be part of a movement? How cool would it be to be a part of something again in history that moves across this country and around the world. It's all about hope. You know, I wish I wish, I wish Legion. I, I know one day we're gonna see him. Whatever, Fred. We're gonna see Fred one day. I know we're gonna see him one day, and I can't wait to see him because his story is one of the most compelling in the New Testament. But if we could get Fred to step in here, if we could get this man to come in, I promise you he'd step in this room, and he'd look at us, and he would say, and he'd look at those streaming, and he would say, all my hope is in Jesus. All my hope is in Jesus. Can we celebrate that and give him thanks? Thanks again for listening to the First Orlando Podcast. For more information like our service times, location, and other contact information, be sure to visit us online at firstorlando.com. Have a great week.